hang about, my microphone's all wonkety. Oh, and Jeff's, a, Jeff's in, a, in a dick mood. He's just come back from a quick walk, and he's like, should we have a play? Should we chase around the front room? And he's, he's got his, like... Can you hear his squeaker? He's got his squeaky toy. Man alive, that is not going to... It's not going to translate. It's not... It's, uh, it might cause some uh, editing. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I need you to give me that. Okay, thank you. That's for me. No, that's all gone. All gone. What's uh, what's Jeff's uh, object permanence, uh, his sense of object permanence like? Unfortunately, incredibly good. So he knows where so, things are put. Um, and so he's got another squeaky toy that about <laughs> a month ago I put into a cupboard and every now and then he just walks to the cupboard and stares. Oh. Yeah. And it's the only thing in That's, there. It's not like Well, it's that a... and the hoover. So it's, it's hidden with the hoover because I, I tried to put it somewhere where he wouldn't be uh, distracted. Now he's just st- sitting next to me, staring up at where I've put it on the shelf. Well, if we uh, if we hit a rocky patch while recording, um, oh. uh, you can just pull it out. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the squeaky toy that is. <laughs> this is a family show, Simon. I'm Keep so your glad mouse that, in uh, the house. I'm so glad that uh, you'll be able to edit that. <laughs> but you know, I won't. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlife In. I had a, uh, a text message from my um, sister during the week. She's been trained as a macroeconomist. Just five words, this text. Yeah. Freddie Mac and Fanny Mae. That was it. I, we yeah. were just like, Fanny, Fanny Manny, <laughs> Manny, Freddie Meddy. No. It did wow. make me think that uh, I was just thinking, as I said, macroeconomist, that if someone said, oh, what's a macroeconomist? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I know that a large percentage of our unfaithful listeners are macroeconomists, or indeed economists of some kind. And I can just, uh, I just hate to think the um, the anti fan mail we're going to be receiving from them, um, when we even dare to get even vaguely close to their expertise. Well, I think we've outed ourselves as inexpert at most things, and the things that we are expert in, we will never speak of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Why it is that um, someone would listen to? <laughs> I feel that I need to apologise to our unfaithful listeners because a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a little conversation about Army Hammer and the potential for cancelling and kink shaming that that emerged. Do you remember the conversation? Oh, how could I forget? Okay, good. I was just checking. I've never felt thirsty in the same way ever since. (laughs) Yes, um, but it would appear that more and more revelations have become public. And and it would appear that he's he's a little predatory. And so there I was saying, let's not kink shame someone. But I think we should probably hold people to account for their inappropriate behaviour. So just like a little... Is that being happening in the public court of Twitter? His personal publicist and his agent have dropped him. Right. It's the same week that Marilyn Manson has been... Accusations against him have re-emerged. 
as a mm. result of, of a, a statement made by, I think it was his ex-partner, Evan Rachel Wood, who you will know, of course, from Westworld. I'm not very good at remembering the names of actors. She's the, the, the smiley girl from the beginning. It, it turns out not to be so smiley. Oh, yes. That's the actor. That's the actor, yeah. The smiley one from the beginning who turns out to be not so smiley. You should, you know, the, um, you should the, write praises for TV shows. I think yeah. you would... Uh, you you would excel. You would become an expert at such Thanks. a thing. Smiley farmer's daughter turns out not to be a farmer's daughter or smiley. She's a robot. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Ah, spoilers. Spoilers. But anyway, so I just thought, oh, I should plant my flag in the land of apology. Plant <laughs> um, your flag in the land of apology. I'm claiming the whole of apology as my territory. <laughs> I'm just going to live there. I mean, I know that technically it's where you live, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, the weather's shit here too. Don't <laughs> There's always storm clouds over here, let me tell you. Yeah, plant your flag in apology land. Doing it. Done it. Didn't nice. It? It's mine. So how's your week been? My week's been all right. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's hard to talk about my week without talking about work. Yeah, I'm kind of at that point in lockdown 3.0 where it's like, I don't really know how to tell you in an entertaining way that I had another bath. Because <laughs> that's been the high point of my day. Well, I had a shower. Oh, I think it was Tuesday. Oh. It was Tuesday. <laughs> it was Tuesday, and it was. Uh, right. I had a shave as well. I'm going to try and do that this weekend. Have a shower and a shave. Yeah, I might have a One run. More and you've got I might go for a run, which means that I'll get sweaty and then feel yeah. like I have to have a shower. You know, this right. is old. This is old news. Yeah, we had an idea that we might tend to some uh, responses from people yeah we did because we talk about our unfaithful listeners um and i think over christmas we had a little response to a couple of our unfaithful listeners questions but we've, we've had a little bit of a backlog haven't we because there have been some emails that have come into us i don't know, actually i didn't actually check with this person whether i could share their worst bit of feedback i'm going to say it anyway i'm just not say their name they know who they yeah. are the worst bit of feedback i got this is uh, in response to the show where we talked about nature of feedback hmm. worst bit of feedback i got was in my was when i was in my early 20s trying to carve a career i love that in corporate health and farm communications meaning pharmaceutical communications oh okay like ph farm gotcha exactly in my appraisal they told me my writing lacked creative flair it cut deep. I hated working there. I left soon after, and I found my creative mojo elsewhere. Thanks for the reminder. How many times do we find ourselves in an environment or in a context where somebody tells us that we're not meeting what they need? We lack. Yeah, exactly. But do they ever say, what are we doing that is stifling your potential? What yeah. could we be doing better to make you reach your potential? Because we employed you, so we assumed that we must have liked you we at some have, point. And also, we've assumed responsibility for you. Yeah. You know, what do you need from us? When was the last time you were asked that in a, in a work context? What do, we need, what do you need from, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What do you need from us? Yeah, that was it. Okay, right. Yeah. I just wanted you to record the sound of crickets again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah, I'd never, never have I been, um, gee, I hope my boss is not listening. I've never been asked that. I think it's part of the sort of the systems in which we work where we become so, you know, product orientated. And product there, I mean, you know, basically output. <laughs> product yeah. can mean whatever yeah, yeah. you want it to mean yeah. there, can't yeah. it? You know, the thing that you are there to do yeah. or make or sell or whatever. But we can yeah. become so focused on, on that bit. We've, you know... Yeah, don't get me started on 
capitalism and neo Fordist blah 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 because it just makes me cross. I, 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 I I'm just, really uh, I'm over billionaires this week. I'm really super over. You mean differently from last? Oh, week? you know I said I was trying to meet the world with curiosity and not judgment. <laughs> Unforg- turns out unforgettable. It's hard. It's hard, is it? But it turns out that I might not be able to meet billionaires with any curiosity. Oh, which one I, are you talking about, Bezos? Well, Bezos has been in the news. Tesla fuckwit has been in the news. You know, battery dude. <sighs> I know, Mr. M. Yeah, well, I think it's a great name. Whenever I see him, I do think about the anal glands of a deer. Uh, uh, oh, see, that's uh, a perfumier joke. That's uh, really, that would kill it in a perfume context. In a perfume podcast. Maybe yeah. you should go and speak on the perfume podcast. Uh, well, I would do if someone invited me, but I'm not like you getting invited to talk at embodiment podcasts. <laughs> yeah, Nobody could... asks me to go anywhere because apparently I'm not expert in anything oh, <laughs> it's got to hurt a little bit so billionaires they've slipped through the net for you in terms of curiosity yeah i just keep encountering people struggling in a variety mm. of ways you know through various media sources and just thinking oh and there's somebody over there one person who's sitting on more money than a country needs i'm not sure what's what's the purpose of I mean, it to, i don't want to be that rich i don't want to be the you know the Giuliani defence lawyer for a billionaire. But it's a lot more complicated than that, isn't it? We're looking at people who could make a decision to go, how much money do I need to live? How much money do I need to live like a king? How much money do I need to live like an emperor? Okay, still got shitloads in the bank. Maybe I'll give it away. (sighs) We've rehearsed this before. I kind of just find myself, yeah. There's a lot of taking going on. I want, to, I want to talk about externalities here, but then again, I'm worried about our several uh, economist uh, listeners who would be just going, Simon, don't talk about externalities. Please, please don't talk about it. But maybe, maybe it's okay for, for me to unveil my, um, my ignorance in this context and just like sound like the everyman that I am and go, oh, I'm so angry about billionaires. And maybe an, an economist can, can write us an email and explain why I'm wrong. And this is important to global culture. And then I'll, I'll be able to settle with it because all I do at the moment is just go, oh, I don't get it. It's just unfair. Yeah. Talking about massive global inequality, global inequality on a massive scale, financial inequality, extraordinary. What a, but that is a humongous problem. And I mean from the perspective of not only the scale of it, but also the complexity of it. It's not just about rather banal idea of redistribution of wealth. Yes, on the surface, but it's limited by understanding. Oh, thank God. Similarly, I, I find myself going, oh, I probably should try and educate myself about this in, in order to understand what's making me so upset. But that's why also we have economists, though. I mean, it that's is, why we yeah. have those people. I, I just find myself getting, I get so weary. I get oh, so weary. I, yeah. it's, it's like I can't, uh, I'm going to sound very um, current in the use of my language now, but I, I just think that the, the emotional labor that that requires for me to try and understand something, it just, it weighs me down in a way that I go, oh, well, I might understand it, but then I probably still won't be able to do anything about it. And that will just feel like shit. So do mm. I want to do that work? Because it's, yeah, it's tricky. I um, actually uh, was listening to something this morning and a guy who speaks on Radio 4, his name's Tim Harford, he's good with numbers. And he was, I think this is related, he was quoting someone on Twitter, a German journalist who writes about um, data, but particularly he's been writing enormous amounts about um, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. His name's Kai Kupferschmidt, which is an awesome name. His perspective is that it's important not to teach people to distrust what they read and critically appraise their sources, but more like to teach people to distrust what they think 
and to critically appraise their own biases. Oh, wow. And it's interesting because I would say, well, both of those things. But unless you're distrusting your own thoughts and really being critical of your own biases when you're reading things, when you're looking at things, then you're you're in a very dangerous position to then only um, read things that make you feel good. And yeah. I, when I say make you feel good, that sustain or su- support or nourish the things you believe about the world. And yeah, and I, so I was just, just you, that situation where you, like, what would be the least you need to do in what you're talking about in relation to global inequality? What would, what would be the least you need to do in order to be informed enough? You know, it's, and it's, that's pretty messy because you're not an economist. It kind of reminds me of something I was, reminded of earlier on in the week <laughs> although it's kind of it's also a bit of a, a, a steer have you heard of Ruma Godden she was an author she's probably most famous for writing the novel Black Narcissus and Black Narcissus was then turned into a film by Powell and Pressburger who f- were famous for the red shoes you know the ballet dancing film. Wow. And they were also, I think they they had their career ruined when they made a film in 1959. It might have been Michael Powell who made the film. I don't think they worked on this together. I'd have to check. But Michael Powell made a film called Peeping Tom. It was kind of the British equivalent of Psycho, but it was a lot more graphic in the sense that there wasn't the big twist, there wasn't the reveal, it wasn't the nice guy next door. It was this sadomasochistic voyeur who was the centre of the narrative. It was considered to be sordid and sleazy, and maybe if it had come out the year after Psycho rather than the year before, it would have been seen as a a critical masterpiece. Who knows? Wow, he got cancelled. Yeah, he got cancelled, but he was famous for making a film. Um, It's just been remade as a BBC TV show, but I've not watched it. Um, Hang on, what's been remade? Black Narcissus. I'll try and circle back to the thing that it reminded me of. Um, yeah. That sense that, you know, you have to d- distrust yourself. Rumor Godden is the name of the woman who wrote the novel Black Narcissus. As well as being a novelist, she was quite famous for writing her memoirs. And one of the, I think it's the second of her memoirs, is called A House With Four Rooms. And the house with four rooms is the self. And she talks about the idea that we have four rooms in us and I'm trying to remember what the rooms are it's like emotion and thought <laughs> spirituality and 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 physical wow yeah, so there's I think there's a is that right emotion your your thought landscape your emotional I've said emotional, to be clear your you're asking landscape. yourself that question is that right because I don't have the faintest yeah yeah no no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember them because it's a long time since I read her work but yeah physical mental emotional and spiritual and she says that we all have these four rooms in our house you know in in ourself but we have a tendency to live in one room <laughs> and her, her her thesis if you will is that what you need to do is you need to go into the other rooms at least once a day even if it's only to air them out <laughs> Do a you bit don't of vacuuming. Yeah, just like open the windows, let some light in, because otherwise you stop being a person. And I think that idea of challenging your your biases, it's visiting those other rooms, isn't it? It's it's reminding yourself of the complexity that you hold, mm. and that you don't just get into that comfort of like, I'll, I'll limit you for a second, I'll I'll, I'll reduce you because this isn't true of you, but you live in your physical room all the time. That's all you are. It's not. That's not the case at all. But you know, we've talked about the. We've talked about the, it, historically. You know, your, yeah, your yeah. sense of your sense sure. of, of drive and your sense of being. 
You're calling me a jock. Thanks. No, yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm all. I'm, oh, yeah, I am. No. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is not that you're a jock, but it, it, in the rumor garden principle, you live in that one room. Mm. That's not true. We understand that you're but, much more balanced. You do go into those other rooms. But the sense that we probably do have a room that we're more comfortable in. Mm. I, li- I like that because I don't know how we got here. Um, uh, because we were asking, were you ever encouraged? Did the place that was giving her the negative feedback oh, yeah, say, yeah. what can we do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we get into a relationship with our places of work. Which, which are is single about, rooms. Yeah, ex- exactly that. It's like you have been brought here to do this thing, so do that thing. But actually, mm. if we were to visit those other rooms with you, or, or work out how you can get access to those other rooms, maybe you'd be better at the thing that we've got you here for. Yeah, this guy, Tim Harford, it was quite good, actually, because you were saying when you hear a piece of information or when you hear something, it doesn't matter what it is, that he was encouraging people listening to say to save themselves, how do I feel when I hear that? And he said, not for a long time, but just notice how you feel. And what he meant, what I understood him to mean, was that, say when you re- read a bit of information and you feel you feel happy, or you feel content. And the contentedness isn't necessarily about the information itself, but about your it's about your relationship to it. And that by questioning your relationship to that information, it sheds light on the information itself. It tells you things that aren't in that information, but are about how you're registering it and how you're... Um, how you're absorbing it or how your your single room is contextualizing, if you like, that um, that bit of information or that idea. And and I, I like that idea because it's kind of like a, it's like a little it's like a little thing that's just poking into you, right? And the, and and so listening to that poking as opposed to ignoring the poking. Like what is this? Yeah. What is this yeah. is actually what you know, what's my yeah. relationship to this thing I'm hearing? Yeah. It's it, it's it's so aligns with i'm sure what we have both done over the course of our and i'm yes i i'm the one who's now talking about work so i, I lose the merit points today but it's so close to the stuff that we, they're adding you know, we, up man they're adding <laughs> up. <laughs> we do this all the time with undergraduates don't we because we're constantly interrogating their taste formation so and, that that idea oh. of, of encountering your discomfort is really what we I think. Oh, gee, it's funny because we had a. This actually, I think this is a good time to introduce a little bit of feedback from an unfaithful listener whose name is Ian Edmund. He said this. You sound. You sound like you welcome feedback on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the same episode that you quoted that one should only give feedback on what is there, not on what wasn't. And then he said, in this vein, the only feedback is, how do you expect people to give you any feedback in a situation where you two are doing something that you are doing? It just is. If one is only to provide feedback on what is there and what is there in the podcast is what you want to be there and it is your podcast, (laughs) then anything we did say would really just be our own feelings about it, which shouldn't matter to you because it's nothing you can control. Bit of stoic philosophy there. Mm. it's like giving feedback on a painting one can have an opinion about it but any feedback says more about the person giving the feedback than the painting the painting is the way it is because that's what the artist did the podcast much like the painting is perfect because it exists and i really like this because it sort of to me is a challenge to what we were talking about and i think it's a little bit of a challenge to what you've just been describing then which is you can talk about what's there right but even the things you're noticing reveal something about your taste 
as the viewer. It's not the whole truth, if you like, when we're talking about that idea of uh, in feedback responding to what's there. Because I'm missing all the things that don't occur to me in a way because of my taste. And also the implicit taste, or you might say that I'm trying to, <laughs> whether I like it or not, that I am imposing mm-hmm. on people that I'm working with. It's 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 messy, isn't it? I used to, I, I certainly remember with um, with students I was working with, I'd write a list. Any, any of them who might be listening to this, they'd be laughing because they would just get these long lists after I'd watched a rehearsal of theirs. And the idea of the list was to be writing things that I'd noticed that we would be able to agree happened and that anything that we couldn't agree on slipped into opinion. And those opinions may or may not have been useful, but we wanted to be really clear because my job, I certainly did not see my job for them to make work more like work that I made. When I say work, I mean artistic work that I would make or that I would want to make. If that's what was going on, they were getting something closer and closer to what I liked. There was something fundamentally flawed about that education. (laughs) Because what's key, and this floats straight back to your curiosity thing, is how is my role to develop this person's curiosity? And what is it that I say that gets in the way of that development? And what is that I say that helps and supports and nourishes that development? And those are very complex, complex questions. Yeah. Yeah, I I kind of have nothing to say to that in a really good way because I just want to sit with it, which isn't great for a podcast, admittedly. No, I think it's really important that we don't feel like we're always having to, that we have something to add. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, he, I think Ian's observation is really interesting and really beautiful, um, but, you know, but at the same time, we are both in regular conversations with people and effectively it is our job to provide feedback mm. on the things they're doing that, that they are doing and which is i think ultimately why giving feedback on the things that are there is really all i can do rather than saying why didn't you do this yes and i don't think you're doing this but to imagine that those somehow are neutral observations oh, no you know, absolutely so, so how is it yeah. what is it that we how is it that we create the context by which they, meaning those people, might come to understand yeah. the lack of neutrality in Absolute. our observations. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. No, I'm definitely not assuming that saying this is what I see is neutral because it's what I see. And yeah. I can't shuck off who I am, yeah. what I like, what I don't like. Well, you're an expert in it too. Why How would I... you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. But still, it's, yeah, absolutely. But, but that, that idea of, yeah, that idea of neutrality is impossible, isn't it? Oh. It's lovely. That's lovely. Should we go to something else? Yeah, let's. Oh, what was this is Karen Wood. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Karen. What would you like to either have done or do more of when thinking about where you are now? What matters to you both? It's a big question, isn't it? It's a big question, but I it's also this... a little question as well. People. You'd people like to have matter. done more people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, people matter to me. Yeah. That's what matters to me now, people. People I know, people I don't know. People being okay in the world. Right now, that's what matters to me. I don't want to do anything differently. I wouldn't go back and change a single thing. Yeah. It sounds like I'm just trying to finish off the podcast, the episode, but I really love that answer. It's so beautiful. Like, and, and, yeah, and how is it that we express that care or that concern for people? I just love it. I really love it. <laughs> Thank you.
I got um I've got a new jumper, um which I haven't taken off since it arrived. Yeah, um, that's the thing with new clothes, isn't it? I just love them. I love them when they're new. I love this them when they're is, this old. This is a sweatshirt, isn't it? It's not a it's jumper. It's a sweatshirt. No, you're right. It's a sweatshirt from from a company called Good Measure. They're British based and they produce limited run cultural products in Manchester. Not cultural products in this particular instance. Sweatshirty products. Very warm, heavy, heavyweight, and I am constantly now sweating. It lives up to the name of its product. It's a sweatshirt, and it makes as opposed to where it was made. You mean? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not one of those. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any such. Uh things to report i would like to say the reason i've got a new sweatshirt is because the other gray sweatshirt i own that was from bought from finisterre 10 years ago has now holes in it on both arms and armpits and neck and i can't continue to stitch it and still look moderately professional in the world. yeah moderately professional that's a quite an interesting line that one isn't it i always wonder about um what immoderately professional looks like and <laughs> clearly clearly holes uh is something like that although you know in in these days working through a screen it's amazing in the number of holes you can hide there's only a very small part of my um body needs to look moderately professional yeah basically from the nipple up <laughs> am i right why did you say one nipple <laughs> because i was thinking about nipples there as a oh, concept like nipple line. So the nipple, nipple line as in yeah yeah. Kind of conceptually the nipple rather than actually the nipple. <laughs> but now I'm thinking of both of your nipples. Yes, I love that I, conceptual, conceptual nipple thinking. Hey, do you just have the two nipples or are you, uh, are you, secret, are you a secret witch? You're a, you're a secret witch, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not going to be a secret witch for much longer though, am I? <laughs> Yes, I do. I am one of the. Um, <laughs> you knew this, though, you bastard. I know. You this entire conversation, you've been leaning. You've been just. It's been. You've been basically. It's on this trajectory towards this revelation, isn't it? From the very big, from the moment you started this fucking call, you went, "I'm going to get time to talk about his extra nipple."